Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Happy New Year again. And uh, if Adam wouldn't have told you, would you have been able to guess what the BCA theme for 2022 just might be here this year? Any guess? It's on the towers. It's in the lobby. It's on the wall. It's on our sweatshirts. We're going to talk about that in earnest in just a couple minutes. But before we do, I just want to take a minute and say thank you, thank you, thank you to our BCA Church family for your faithfulness throughout 2021. I mean, it's been an incredible journey for all of us, and certainly as a church, migrating through these last couple of years. And again, last year, your faithfulness in serving and your faithful in giving was just amazing. Uh, and I just want to say thank you. Your giving to the general fund uh, supports all the ministries of the church, the facilities, uh, all of the staff, all the programs. And then uh, over $300,000 came in for global missions last year, 300000 to local compassion ministries. Put your hands together and let's celebrate that. And I'll just speak for all of us. Many, many, many of us have found the joy of generous giving. And I just want to uh, encourage all of us just to... Uh, uh, know that it makes a big difference. It matters a lot. I was uh, writing my a devotional one of these days here this past week. I've shared uh, before that I do a devotional each morning on Facebook. You're welcome to join in. Uh, but I, I shared on one day from Philippians 1, 3 through 5, and I thought of all of the wonderful, faithful folks of our church family. It reads like this. I thank my God every time I remember you and all the prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so many in our church family uh, agree and affirm with what I'm saying right now, and that is I have found since tithing as a young, young boy up until today that God allows me to feel more blessed on the 90% than I would on 100% if I was not faithful. And I know that the joy of giving to the Lord and expanding his kingdom and expanding his work around the world is just one of the greatest joys of our heart. So I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you before we go any further. And uh, together we're making a big difference around the world. Time is short. People need Jesus. Amen. And we need to double our efforts to spread the good news of God's love as far and wide as we possibly can through all means possible. Well, let's go ahead and dive into today's message. I'm a big believer in thinking deeply about why we do what we do and what really matters to us. And I ask the question here today, what drives you? What guides you? What drives us? What guides us? I want us to think about that as we make our way through this message. What really matters to you? I think it's important to ask those questions and then to build our life on priorities and on values and on virtues those kinds of things. What do we believe? Our theme for 2022 is, as you see on the wall, live, love, lead. How can I live like Jesus? How can I love like Jesus? How can I lead like Jesus? You say, well, yeah, I do that all the time. No, I mean, let's think really deeply about it. Let's ponder it very intentionally. Let's carefully tease that out a little bit. How can I more than ever before live more like Jesus, love more like Jesus, lead more like Jesus? How can I lead more people to Jesus? How can the light of God's love flow through me and shine through me more than ever before in my life? That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me and for our church. Live, love, and lead like Jesus. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, morning, noon, and night, 24-7, every day, all day, how can we live, love, and lead more like Jesus Christ? What is your personal mission statement? Or let's zoom out a little bit. What is your 
biblical worldview. I asked this question last summer, and we kind of touched on it a few times during the fall, but I really want to dive into it here this morning and then kind of tease it out over the course of these next few weeks. I made the statement, and I want to restate it, that as a Christian, I want to live in the center of three circles. That's the live, the love, and the lead part of what we're talking about. I want to live in the center of three circles. I want to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to be derailed by any other thing. And, and what I'm laying out for you is my biblical worldview, and I want to encourage you to make it your biblical worldview or expand on it, change it up a little bit, make it your own. But I believe it's very, very important that we, that we have a, 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 a foundation and an understanding of our vision and our purpose in life. Uh, in this Venn diagram, the first major circle is, is biblical morality. And you see that in the top left corner. And uh, last fall, we spent our time walking through the eight secrets to a happy life. Those are the eight beatitudes that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. And now for the next several weeks, we're going to take a look at the Ten Commandments as we really, really take careful stock, both last fall and the first part here of this year, as to what we believe do we believe what we know and do we know what we believe? And just take a careful, thorough look at what was the foundation of Jesus' life and his ministry, the Ten Commandments. Jesus built his entire ministry on the Ten Commandments. He expanded on it in the eight Beatitudes. And to me, these are so crucial as we spend time understanding what we know and what we believe. The second big circle is biblical values. That's the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. You know, that's Matthew 22 where Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbors yourself. Jesus gave us that command. He summarized everything into those two. And then in Matthew 28, he gave us the great commission. He said, Rob, your purpose, your reason for existence is to go into all the world and make disciples. While there is still day, you need to be salt and light. You are my ambassador. You're my representative. Your purpose is to lead people to Jesus Christ. Be a bridge, not a barricade. You need to help walk people to faith in Jesus Christ. When I, when I think of that, I think of several key verses that just always just, just flatten me. One is uh, found in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to save all who believe, first the Jew and then the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness for all who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. There's nothing more important than Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 to 25, for since in the wisdom of God, the world uh, through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Friends, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope of the world. If you believe that, say amen. Jesus. We need to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus, and lead people to Jesus. He is the answer. Don't get sidetracked into all sorts of other things. Make sure you make the main thing the main thing. And that is my prayer for you and me and for our entire church. Lord, help us be like you in how we talk and walk and live and love and lead. Be compelling, not repelling. Attract, don't repel. Be salt, be light, be a bridge, not a barricade. 
Biblical virtues is the other circle. And that's really the love ethic that we see over and over in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, of course, the love chapter. And then scriptures like Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then that love is manifested in many different ways. Joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control, and Paul lays that out for us. The question I want to ask you is what is your standard for love? What do you believe God's standard is for love? Is, is it to love casually, love when it's convenient, love conditionally? No. The Bible doesn't say, Rob, love casually. It says love Calvary. Calvary, not casually. Calvary. Not conditionally, Calvary. We are to love like Jesus loved when he went to the cross. It's agape love. That's what the Bible teaches, agape love. Not eros, not phileo, the other two Greek words, but agape love. That is sacrificial love. That is consistent love. That is unconditional love. That is loving people who don't love you. That's loving people who despise you. Love like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Lead like Jesus. Biblical virtues. Adam gave a great message last week. If you missed it, make sure you dial it up. Just fantastic uh, on, on this whole idea. And one of the, one of the key scriptures uh, for me on the subject of love is the scripture he talked about, Romans chapter 12. You know, he, Paul talks about in the first couple of verses of chapter 12, I beseech you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's a key point. It is so easy to get sucked into the pattern of the world. If someone hates it on me, I'm going to hate on them. If someone disrespects me, I'm going to disrespect them. Do not conform. Do not get sucked into the ways of the world, the pattern of the world, but be transformed. How many are excited to know we're supposed to be a transformer? How many have never knew that? It's in the Bible. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't conform. Don't get sucked in, drift off. Be transformed. Be like Jesus. Live like him. Love like him, lead like him. And then in verses 9 to 21, and Adam talked about this in great detail. Again, check it out. We see where Paul gives us the standard of love. In addition to 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5, 22 and 23, just listen to a few of these. Our love must be sincere, devoted, zealous. We're to share with others in need. We're to be hospitable. Uh-oh, here's one. Bless those who persecute you. You're going to want to cross that one out. I'm not going to do that one. Live in harmony. Forget that. Do not be proud, no vengeance, live at peace, help your enemy. Nah, we don't want that one either. Be respectful, eh, maybe sometime, but not all the time. Overcome evil with good instead of enjoy, uh, yeah, yeah, evil with good. And so what, what is Paul saying? He's saying, you know, don't major on putting other people down. Focus on lifting people up. Don't be disrespectful, be respectful. You say, Rob, that's hard. You know, we live in a world where hate is everywhere. People are disrespecting each other right and left. Friends, we must be different. My prayer for you and me and our church is we will live like, like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. As we, as we work and we move around our community, people will come to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, and they will say, there's something different about those cats down there at BCA. They really, really are living like Jesus. It's mind-boggling. It's not the crazy stuff I see everywhere. These people are authentic, true followers of Jesus Christ, and it's got me thinking. 
We are to be salt and light. We are to be attractional. We are to be his representatives. We are to be his ambassadors. So may we believe deeply. Let's look at that next slide. May we believe deeply. Let's reach passionately and let's love fiercely. Let's live in the center of these three circles. You know, our mission and purpose as a church is the great commission of the great commandment. You hear us talk about it all the time. Let's know, grow, serve, share. That's the great commission of the great commandment. That's our purpose. That's the second circle, you might say. But my vision, our vision for BCA is that we will be a congregation that manifests what it means to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. Authenticity, genuine, true, fervent, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to do. May God help us do it. So what is your vision? What is your mission? What is your purpose? What do you believe? What is your calling and standard of love and behavior? I encourage you to make this your biblical worldview unless you want to tweak it, tease it out, expand on it. Otherwise, join me in this quest to live, love, and lead like Jesus like never before. And this will impact literally every area of your life. And I've jotted down a few things here. It will impact how and what you post on Facebook. Hello? How you choose not to retaliate or demean or disrespect other people. Whoa. How you build bridges, not barriers. How you love and how you live with your spouse and care for your kids and family. It starts there, but it expands beyond that. How you're salt and light and how you point people to Jesus. How you treat others and how you tweet at others. How many like that? I worked on that all week. Uh, one of my very favorite hymns. So many of you know this by heart. On Christ the solid rock I stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Friends, people need Jesus. It needs to all be about Jesus. How we live and how we love and how we lead. So what drives you? Who guides you? What drives you? Who guides you? Now, one of the things we're going to weave in throughout this series is our conversation on the Ten Commandments. And I want to draw your attention to the Big Ten, as I call them. The Big Ten, they're commandments. How many know they're not mere suggestions? They're commandments. And we read about them in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Interesting, the Jews had a lot of laws. They had 613 laws, of which these ten were the, the Big Ten. And the expectation then for every Jew... Uh, every Israelite, was you are to obey these commandments. Think about that. These commandments were given to be obeyed. But I want you to stop and think about that. I think we've lost the awe in our day. I think we've lost the awe of God to where the Ten Commandments have become, you know, ten suggestions, ten options, ten, you know, I'll kind of get to them if I want to. In our day and age of entitlement, I'll do what I want to do. I'll do it my way. Don't tell me what to do. People are more apt, many people, to just 
kind of live their own life and then slap a scripture verse on it and call it good. Live their own life, sprinkle in a little religion and call it good. Yet the scripture says you start with God's word and you have that, you allow that to penetrate every core of your life and then you live that out, you flesh that out authentically. You live, love, and lead like Jesus. We must know what we truly believe and we need to believe what we truly know. The Ten Commandments are ten ideals for a godly life. And we read in Scripture that Moses came down from the mountain with two tablets, and uh, conveniently, the Ten Commandments are divided into two kind of major areas. You might consider the first four on one tablet, the last six on another tablet. You know, the first four, real simply, are one God, no idols, don't misuse God's name, and keep the Sabbath day holy. And the second six are on the other tablet, uh, as you may uh, understand it. Don't, don't dishonor mom and dad, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, and don't covet. The very, very first commandment, one God, is the foundation for the first four and the, the entire ten. And interestingly, the first four talk about loving God, and the second six talk about loving other people, loving others. It's so interesting to me that Jesus, when asked in the New Testament by an individual, what's the most important commandment of all? There were many, many commandments. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. He summarized the ten commandments, the Decalogue, into those two. Love God and love people. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He founded and grounded and, and built his entire life and ministry on, on the Ten Commandments and God's Word, and then he expanded on it in the Eight Beatitudes and other teachings. Ten ideals for a godly life. If you look at the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, you see that God makes a declaration. It says that God spoke these words. These weren't uh, coming from somebody else, Moses or whoever. God says, I've got something I want to say. And then he reminds them that he is a deliverer. God says, hey, wait a second. I want you to know I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that delivered you from 400 years of slavery. Don't ever, ever underestimate my power and might and ability. I am El, El Shaddai. I am Adonai. I am the Jehovah Jireh, the provider. I am the mighty, mighty, awesome God. We've lost our awe today. Be awed by God. He made a declaration. He talked about deliverance. And then he made a demand. He said, you will have no other gods before me. Just one. And I'm it. You see, if we don't get this first commandment, it messes up all the rest. There's one God and I'm it. You're my people. I'm your God. That's the story. Now let's move on to the next subject. One God. Only one. You know, I get up early every day and I think and I pray about these kinds of things and I just say, God, how can I live, love, and lead more like you? How can you be truly the most important of my life? How can you be the priority? How can you be preeminent in every area of my life? Oh, it's easy to say, yeah, God's number one. Yeah, I, God's number one. But, you know, life goes on, and in our carnality, things slip in and, you know, kind of take different footholds of our life. 
God gave this commandment to the Israelites when they were in a world surrounded by many gods. They just come out of Egypt, many gods in Egypt. They're on their way to Canaan, many more gods in Canaan. And I was thinking to myself this week, you know, we live in a day and age where there are so many gods that people prop up in their own lives. You could make a list as easy as I could. Money, sex, popularity, prestige, you know, uh, status. I mean, we could go on and on, just make a list. And I think it's important today for us just to filter our lives through that reality and just say, are we propping up anything at all in our life that competes with the one true God? It's an important question to ask. In Egypt, they had Osiris, the god of the underworld, Horus, the sky god, the one with the falcon head, Seth, the god of chaos, Wraith, the sun god, Anubis, the god of the dead, and 20 other gods, 24 we read. Then they make their way to Canaan, and they have Dagon, the god of the crop of fertility. We read about Dagon a lot in the story of Samson. Asherah, mother goddess, the mother of 70 other gods. We read about Asherah poles in the Old Testament. Baal, the god of rain or thunder, Baal. We read a lot about this god in the scripture. Ashtart, the goddess of love. And about 230 more gods in Canaan where they were headed. You think maybe this first commandment was important? God says, I don't want you to be derailed. I don't want you to be uh, diluted. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be sidetracked. I don't want you to be sucked away or sucked into anything else. Understand this. There is one God and I am it. I need to believe that deeply. Nothing is more important than him. Probably... uh, It's clear to everyone, but the Israelites lived in a very polytheistic world, and God was helping them understand that Judaism and then eventually Christianity was monotheistic, one God, not many. And this is what differentiates us, God was teaching his people then and now. I think one of the greatest uh, scriptures that really... uh, kind of helps us understand this first commandment is the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where we find the Hebrew creed. This is the scripture that they would teach their kids and their kids' kids over and over again. This is what we need to understand. If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, you see the Hebrew creed, and the first few verses are an introduction. And then you come to verse 5, and it reads, as you see on the screen, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today will be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on door frames. Make T-shirts and sweatshirts that say live, love, lead. I added that last part. (laughs) It needs to be important. It needs to be a priority. It needs to be the most important part of our lives. Verse 12 says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Life gets so busy, friends. If we're not careful, we will forget the Lord. He's the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Awe of God. 
In Mark 12, another passage, verse 28, another person comes up and says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in all the Bible? And he quotes the Shema, this Deuteronomy 6. He says, Hero, what's the scripture say? Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your salt, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And by the way, there's a second. That is love your neighbors, you love yourself. Mark chapter 12. The Shema is the quintessential Jewish declaration of faith in the one true God. Deuteronomy 6 closes with these words. The Lord commanded to us to obey these decrees, to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. All through scripture, the Bible says, if you obey, I will bless you. If you don't obey, I will not. The God of the Old Testament comes to us personally in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one true God. Jesus is fully God. We think of the God of the Old Testament as the one in the burning bush and say, okay, that's different than than Jesus. No, they're one. One, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul makes it so, so clear in his poignant passage here in Colossians 1.15. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. He is before all things, and in him hold all things together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have life, in him we might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus Christ, one God, we need to live like him. We need to love like him. We need to lead like him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, the early church had problems with heretics trying to creep in and dilute the true gospel message. And this was the case in 325 AD when the council at Nicaea came together and said, okay, we're putting the kibosh on the Arians who were a a bunch of heretics of that day who were trying to dilute the gospel and minimize Jesus and make him less than God. And they wrote a creed specifically to ward off and to box out false teaching. And you see it there on screen, but let me just give you a few opening words. And this is a great one to recite over and over again. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship him not casually, not flippantly, not optionally, not once in a while, but we worship him with all that we are and all that we have. We seek to live like Jesus. We seek to love like Jesus. We seek to lead like Jesus. So I want to ask you this question as we get ready to to close. What drives you? What guides you? What is your biblical worldview? What do you believe? And do you know what you believe? And do you believe what you believe? 
And then would you join me on a quest this year, more than ever before? I know many of you have served and lived for God for many, many years, but would you join me in a fresh and new way, more than ever, ever before, and ask the Lord to help you figure out what that means? Would you join me on this quest to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus? People all around us desperately need you and me to be a clear representation of Jesus. We need to live like him and love like him and lead like him and not get sidetracked by all sorts of things, pandemics and politics and this and that. We need to focus on the main thing. And what is the main thing? It's Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Can you say amen? Amen. And we need to do it like we've never done it before. We need to double our efforts. And Lord, I pray. I pray this for me. I pray it for all of my friends here at BCA. I pray it for all who call on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Christianity has taken a real knock over these last couple of years. Lots of heresies and weirdness has distorted the name of Jesus Christ. And it is incumbent upon us, Lord Jesus, to live clearly and live plainly and live authentically and be genuine followers of the one true God. And to do that, we have got to live like Jesus We need to follow Paul as Paul followed Christ. And we need to love even people that are hard to love, even people that are impossible to love. And we need to lead. Lead our lives, lead our families, lead at work, lead our ministries. And then we need to lead other people to Jesus. So I pray, God, you'll do something powerful in my life, Do something powerful. And all of my friends that are here, all those that are listening online, those that are in the other services, God, we're serious. We want to radiate Jesus like never before. If you're here, friend, and you've not committed your life to Christ, it all starts there. I encourage you just to pray, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to be a Christian. And if you pray that prayer today for the first time or maybe a prayer of recommitment, tell us about it on that connection card, either online or in person, drop it in the black box. We want to follow up with you this week and help you with those next steps. And for the rest of us who know you and profess Christ as Savior, Lord, our prayer is a little bit different. We pray that we will live, love, and lead like Jesus, like never, ever before. That many lives will be touched for the glory of God. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a final song, and then we're going to be dismissed. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come on down as we sing. And we just invite you to come for special prayer. Let's sing, and then we'll be dismissed.